Jim Newman, I'm so grateful that you've uh, taken the time to come come talk with me today. Um, you're someone who's, whose work and uh, whose YouTube channel I've spent a lot of time with. Um, maybe uh, just to start off, if, if you're if you can uh, talk a little bit about um, what you do and, and the kind of the gatherings that you host and and sort of what that's like. Do you mean like what's shared in the meetings? Yeah, what's shared? What? Yeah, exactly. Okay, it's 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 actually really simple. It's that what is is already that, and there's an experience that arises um, that lives in a illusory, objectified reality, mm -hmm. and in essence, it's not actually looking for that but that's what's most desired. Um, that I say that because you can't say what this is or what's truly longed for because it can't be known. And so this separate experience arises and seeks and all it can do is seek objects. It can only seek in the separate reality that it knows. And that seeking and the experience of being separate are um, dissatisfying and so it's, in a sense, you could say it's endless. So in the meetings, it's just pointed out that that's illusory. And in that sense, also hopeless because there isn't any separation and that everything is already what's most desired. Everything is already that. It's such a unique message because you're not going to find that message in most places that you look. <laughs> Such a well, you know, in a way you do, you find it sort of everywhere. They just have a little addendum to it and they tell you what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And and the way it's seen here is there isn't anyone to tell. There isn't anyone to tell and there isn't anything that needs to be done. So so part of the context here when, when I when I encounter you and I capture your message is the context of the landscape of, of like gurus. You know, the landscape of people who um, are selling something or have a message. Um, and I, I'm very skeptical of of gurus in general. Um, I, I've read enough stories of all sorts of, you know, abuse of power and things like that. So how do you think about yourself in that context, in the context of people um, who are, in, in, you know, selling or, 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 or trying to impart a spiritual message? Well, yeah, I don't. I, I'm this. Uh, there's no this doesn't consider I don't consider myself a guru. I'm certainly not a teacher. Uh, teaching has to do with imparting knowledge that would suggest that this knows something that that doesn't. That's obviously not the case. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, I don't actually. Yeah, and that, that that's consistent with my experience of your of your work as well. <laughs> um, but it's but it's um, it's a hard thing to explain. Like it's hard to explain to someone, you know, um, what 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 I enjoy. Let's say in 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 a in a one of these meetings, um, mm. to give to give a, a potential and way of explaining it now, <laughs> trying to describe that now, and I wonder how this how this lands with you, um, in in the best most complimentary way, in in the best way this could possibly be taken, it feels like encountering a great piece of performance art, mm. um, and and I, what I mean by this, it, art art at its best, I think, has the ability to to shake something in you, to shake people, um, mm. to, to to reframe perspective. Um, but it's such a, a unique space that you create, and um, there's a there's of course obviously like a back and forth, and there's um, a spontaneity and a, a, an unknown like like sort of tension chaos that that sort of exists in that space, and yeah, I guess that's sort of maybe a way I would describe how I experience it 
um, mm. as opposed to maybe like a spiritual teacher um, who, like, mm. as you say, has something to teach or something to impart. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, all I'd have to say to that is that with, art seems to have some sort of intention. Mm. And um, that might be one of the things that people sense at a meeting or in this conversation, that there isn't any intention because there isn't anything that needs to be imparted or is trying to be imparted. There's truly just a response to questions or, or um, yeah, to, yeah. yeah. There's no, there's no drive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how could there be if this is already that? Yeah. What's most longed for? What, what would the intention be? What's, what needs to happen? I'll just say this, like, I, I imagine myself explaining to, to the listener now, like, you know, trying to help them understand what this is, like what, why. Oh, you can't. Right. Yeah, you know, it's already a failed thing. It's nothing to understand. Of course, the concepts, this is already everything and that there's a separate experience that arises and can only find objects. And in the end, what's longed for is this, which is everything already. Um, that's That you can explain or, or describe, but that's not what's being said. Understanding those concepts isn't actually what's being pointed to. But in, in the context of one of your gatherings, and if I'm sitting and I'm in the right state of mind, I think I'm, I'm, there's a potentially a receptiveness to mm. hear this message, where yeah. that message might be something along the lines, lines of like, this is everything, mm. or something like that. And everything in your experience is saying that this is it. There's nothing else but this. Mm. Well, but that's not what's being said. It's not being said that it's obvious that there's, what you're talking about is I think what teachers talk about is now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in your own experience, all there is is now. And that's not, that's really not what's being said. That's like an objectification or a, or a reliance on perception. What's being said is that what is, is that which is, which can't be said already. That fulfillment or the unconditional love or infinite, which is already. That's what's being said. Not that there's a landing point now, but that there's no landing point because there isn't anything that's not what is, what, what's longed for, what's, what's truly desired. Part of the trouble is that people, people are looking for a program, right? People, yeah. people come, they're, they're living life. I, I include myself in this category. Uh, life, life can feel hard at times and, and, and stressful and difficult, and you could feel very vulnerable and, uh, it could be a drag and, and you want some reprieve, you want some respite. Um, yeah. and so, so, so people look, so people look for that and your message, I think can be frustrating to people because, Oh, totally. Well, this not... doesn't give anything to that. Nothing. It has nothing for that experience whatsoever. That's what I think is so so magical about this about this uh, message, but but it doesn't it doesn't have anything for that. But but people still come to you with that well, with that need. Yeah. Well, what I find is that there's a in in not everyone, but there's a sort of a mixture. There's something that hears or really enjoys or revels in, um, not being preached to, not being taught, because there's something that already recognizes or 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 knows that it has nothing to do with them. And in that same, in that body, at the same time, there can be the frustration because it can be the sense that something needs to happen and they want to program to find out how to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So I think that both of those can exist in the same body. 
Of course, if there's only the one, if a, a body shows up and all it has the need for a program, it'll get frustrated and, and angry and leave. Yeah. And and would you say that that seeking is is ultimately uh, cause of the problem itself? That the seeking you're seeking a solution, but the seeking is ultimately the cause of what you're trying to solve. Well, it's separation. It's the experience that I am separate from everything else, or that <clears throat> or that I live in objectified reality. That's the cause. Yeah. And would you say that? So there's there's a there's a juxtaposition that comes comes about, it seems, of um, a strong sense of self versus seeing through that illusion. The sense, the self being illusory, I think, is something uh, that you would say. Yeah. Um, and 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 we, and you would say there's no advantage to seeing well, through that illusion. <clears throat> no. That also just, is yeah very paradoxical. <laughs> well, not see well. In the beginning, what I said was that all there is is that which is most desired. And nobody knows what that is. That's never known. But the, what's most desired is already everything, including the seeking, including the experience of separation, the objectification of everything. So there isn't anything to gain. <clears throat> it's already that way. There is something that might seem to be lost. Mm -hmm. when, the, when the individual, when something hears this in a particular body, the individual might have the sense of losing something, of something being lost, which it felt like it had, like meaning or purpose or beliefs. Those things can be can be lost. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing to get. <clears throat> this yeah. this already being everything isn't waiting for someone to see through it. Isn't waiting for anything. It's already that. All of it is already that. It's it's funny. It's funny. Uh, it's a it's a it's tough. It's a tough message for people. I mean, I think I think at times there's there could be a receptiveness. There could be a times when mm -hmm. when that when that can resonate um, and and feel 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 true in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I'm holding space now for for my imagination of audience members feeling mm -hmm. very very frustrated by this message. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I imagine if you're looking for something. Um, it can be very frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a way a way that I've approached your message um, is that from my from within the story, let's say, so the story being uh, our the conventional understanding of our universe and time and all that. Um, it seems obvious to me that that human beings don't have free will. Uh, that seems just just totally inevitable. Because if if you claim to have free will, you have to provide a mechanism by which mm. um, material things can be manipulated by something outside of the laws of nature um, right. it just doesn't seem uh in any way sensible mm. and so once once you've once we, we we say that once we can agree that free will seems like an illusion it seems yeah. like a misperception mm. um then it follows that you know other things can also be illusions mm. and misperceptions um and it seems to me to follow that if there's no free will then then there's really no sense. There's no locus of decision making. There's no right. locus of um, identity in that way. And it seems that the eye also is probably an illusion as well. Yeah. Well, there's no decision maker, but the brain makes decisions. Like right. you said, those would be you know under the the same rubric as natural laws. The brain. So the brain does what the brain does. It makes decisions. Takes all the information available to it, and comes to a conclusion. 
Some of the information might be faulty, but that's all it can do. You can't do anything but that. But the decision maker is the illusion. I wonder. I wonder from your perspective, if you ever miss uh, being able to complain uh, about things. Why? Why couldn't complaining happen without a me or an I? I guess it could. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, if we get down to it, what I'm suggesting is there isn't an I already. Like you're suggesting, there already are, isn't already free will. So, an I is the experience of that the world is objectified. That there's actually an internal or a real subject to the object of reality. And I'm, what I'm suggesting is that's already not the case. There is no separate external reality. It's all already that which can't be said. Right. So in that way, there already isn't an I that's doing anything. Mm -hmm. One of the funny things that happens in your meetings, is you'll say something very um, similar to maybe the, the things you've been saying in this meeting, in, this, in our conversation now that is, and, and someone will say, yes, I understand that. Yeah. And there's sort of like an absurdity there um, yeah. because there's a, I, I feel like my, my interpretation of, of your words is not on the level of understanding. Mm. Um, there's, um, there's a question uh, people wonder, again, this is, this is now maybe a little philosophical um, and, and we can steer clear of philosophy if you want, but people wonder about consciousness, you know, is consciousness real? Um, and, and there's like a, theories about, you know, panpsychism and maybe consciousness is ubiquitous and everything is conscious. Um, I have a book in front of me, if, if I could just sort of sh hold it up and show you. It's a, a book called uh, Conscience Explained by Daniel C. Dennett. Yeah. And he has a line in this book where uh, it's, it's a very, it's a fairly famous line in this world. He's a, like a considered a very important voice in this question of conscience studies. Mm -hmm. He says, uh, in the context of like uh, philosophical zombies, which are like creatures that look like us and act like us but are not conscious. He says, um, another way to address the possibility of zombies, and in some regards, I think it is more satisfying, are zombies possible? They're not just possible, they're actual. We're all zombies. Nobody is conscious. Hmm. And then he goes on to elaborate on that a little more. Um, there's a footnote here that says, it would be an act of desperate intellectual dishonesty to quote this assertion out of context. Um, <laughs> So I, I'm curious what, what you think about that. Is, is there a sense in which consciousness itself is, is part of the illusion? Yes. Oh, completely. As far as the individual is concerned, I mean, consciousness is just a word, but the experience of being conscious is part of the illusion of being an individual or being separate from everything. It's, it's a form of knowing what, what is. It's like being conscious of what is. That's a tough that's a tough thing to hear for a lot of people because that's just yeah. for most of us, you know, myself included, that that seems very foreign to, you know, our experience. Um, Daniel Daniel Dennett gets a lot of criticism for this perspective. You know, he says, how, yeah. how can a respected philosopher of mine say that, you know, consciousness is an illusion? Yeah. Um, but it's interesting to see that that relationship there. Um, yeah. What you're saying. Hmm. Well, the individual can't imagine it not being. It has no idea what we're talking about, and it never will have. It has no idea what this as everything or this as what can't be said is. It has no idea. It can't possibly, because what we're talking about is something that can't be objectified, can't be known. Mm -hmm. So it has no relation. The individual lives in a separate reality where its only currency is consciousness. Its only currency is knowing or experiencing. That's how it relates to its entire reality, its entire worldview has to do with its 
perspective or its knowing. So yeah, of course it'll be, but the whole message is actually very undermining of that whole experience. And, and this is, again, as you said, this is contrary to mainstream spiritual teaching because in, in the spiritual t- traditions that you know I've read about as well, there's a yeah. sense of cultivating this observer perspective, being right. falling into the state of, of observation and observing your thoughts, observing reality and not not right. identifying with the thought, but identifying with this observer place. Right. And, right. And, 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 and I guess I wonder is as you keep searching for the observer, and you try to observe the observer until you realize there's nowhere to stand. And there's, That's right. there's nothing left. And then you and then you have someone that knows there's nowhere to stand. Mm. Which is back where you started. <laughs> yeah. Well, the idea of a teaching is that there's a there's a there is separation and there's a bridge to wholeness or to um what is as unspeakable. Mm-hmm. And that bridge is just part of the illusion. There isn't any separation, so there isn't any path to find what is already another another personal point of reference here i i found this this discussion so to speak this discussion of non-duality i became interested in non-duality and i became interested in non-duality from the perspective of antinatalism so antinatalism antinatalism okay it's a philosophical perspective that is very concerned and and questions the morality of having children Hmm. and from this perspective, life is life is quite hard. Um, life life is full of, uh, like I you know said before, vulnerability and and pain. And in, insofar as we believe that it's good to minimize pain, and insofar as we believe it's you know want to protect uh, human beings from potential suffering and suffering, uh, it it's hard to justify bringing a child into this world. Um, and to, from one perspective, I find those arguments very compelling. Hmm. And and it's hard to, from one perspective, it's hard to, um, I think get around that, personally speaking, personally. Um, hmm. But but I think I think your message has a way of undermining some of that perspective. If, to start with, it undermines I think morality altogether. Yeah, completely. And so and so coming to to your message from a perspective of grappling with questions of of morality grappling with the question of uh, antinatalism uh the ethics of bringing a child into this world um i found that a very interesting conversation um mm. yeah well all i'd have to say is it doesn't matter the individual will always be seeking the right way to be whether it's right or wrong to do this or that it feels like being right brings it closer in some way to what it wants the idea that it has of what its life is about, fulfilling meaning and purpose. And it will come up with a myriad of different paths and ideas of the right or the wrong way to be and try to live those. Mm-hmm. All in the end, what, what's longed for behind that is what is already. So it actually is quite irrelevant. And on the other hand, there isn't anyone doing any of that. It's just what happens that as long as there's an experience, illusory experience of separation, they'll be seeking to be, to be right. <clears throat> to get it right. But the, the standard theory, the standard theory of life is so absurd. The standard theory of life that we're born into this world and we're so constricted in our our, our options and we're so, you know, uh, in what we can experience and, and we're, we're likely to have all sorts of horrible experiences and, 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 and suffer tremendously and then just die randomly in a vehicular mm-hmm. misadventure. Um, 
and just sort of just be like, this is it. It's like, mm. it's, it's like intolerably um, bizarre. Yeah. You know? That's why and, the individual comes up with beliefs mm -hmm. and hope lives in hope of finding something else because it, it finds that intolerable. So it has meaning and purpose, beliefs and hope that sort of buffer it from the experience of being in that bleak reality that you described. Another angle that I, that, I, that I use to sort of get at what you're saying, because again, the, the point being that I'm getting at what you're saying from a perspective of, of an outsider, from perspective mm. of dis distance. There's a, I'm trying to get at what you're saying from the perspective of someone who's struggling to, to get at what you're saying. Well, um, just, I mean, I, I appreciate just to clear up, you can't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not possible. Fair. <laughs> it just, there isn't a you. That's right. what's being said. And so all the efforts, the... One of the core experiences of the individual, if it comes to any of these things, is the experience that something has to happen for this to be what it is. And you know, in the in you know meetings and people that listen to this, it's the falling away of me, is the idea that that has to happen for this to be what it is already. Mm -hmm. And what's actually being said is there already isn't a separate reality. There is only that which is everything. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I, I it's okay. No, it's good. I there is it. there is no hope. There's no of hope. Finding of finding what's being shared. And I, I just wanted to say one other thing while we're at it. Mm -hmm. It's not my message. There isn't anybody that could possibly own what's being said. Um, from from the perspective uh, from a background in in physics, uh, a question that comes up in the world's you know the study of cosmology is you know what does our universe contain? What what's in our universe? And uh, we assume our universe is very large and it contains a lot. And we might even live in a multiverse according to yeah. you know, modern scientific theories. Yeah. And so in this in this conception, uh, it seems it seems pretty inevitable um, that there exists these things called Boltzmann brains. Yeah. So this idea being that a human brain we, in the story we have these human brains that are simulating a consciousness. If the universe is sufficiently large and sufficiently chaotic, it you would imagine that in that chaos, in that infinite soup, a brain could just assemble randomly mm. in, a, in a soup of, of, of chaos and then mm. dissolve itself a moment later. But you'd mm. have a flicker, you'd have a flicker, an instantaneous flicker of consciousness mm. in somewhere flickering in and out of existence in the multiverse. And it seems we don't know that we're not that. We don't know we're not a Boltzmann brain. Yeah, flickering instantaneously this moment yeah. that we that we are currently experiencing. Yeah. Yeah, no, you really don't know anything. The eye really doesn't know anything. It has a, a series. The experience of knowing comes out of a, of a contracted energy in the body. And mm -hmm. out of that, it extrapolates the knowing of everything around it. But all of that is just part of the illusion of separation. So for me, I, I feel like that for me is a kind of a hook where I, it, epistemologically I can say, if I don't know that I'm not a Boltzmann brain, mm. then, then I, can, I can rest more in that unknowing. Mm. Oh, well, nobody can rest in unknowing. This, literally, it's just about there not being a you, not a you that can come to terms with the fact that it doesn't know. I, I actually hear that not so seldomly. People who've had maybe enlightenment experiences or... Um, other insights that they've come to a position that they know they can't know everything it's too complex and complicated so there's sort of a of an acceptance that they can't know 
And that's just not what's being, that's just not what's being said here. What's being said here is that the knower itself is an illusion and that what's longed for is not objectifiable and is already everything. People, people might ask, I'm sure you get this question a lot. This is probably a very common question, but why is this not nihilism? If, if the message includes no morality, um, what, what, how is that different from nihilism? Because it isn't, it isn't suggesting there's a person who um, is in that state that you described a while ago. It's suggesting there isn't a person. Right. Nihilism, nihilism relates to an individual that's in a particular predicament of having no God or no hope. I can't, I don't know exactly what it is. <clears throat> nothing matters. That's not, yeah. Nothing matters. And that's not what this is saying. For the individual, it will always matter. But what's being said is there is no individual. Another thing which you say, which, which I find surprising, although not too surprising, it's surprising at first maybe, but this, the sense that um, there's a permanence to this kind of realization, because a lot of people, as you well, know, there isn't. there isn't. Okay. So uh, people talk about glimpses. Yeah. But, but, but what I think you're describing is a, is a more, something more permanent than a glimpse. Well, it's not permanent. Right. A glimpse is just a story about an individual that partially seems to disappear and some aspect of what is is seen. What, what, what this is coming from is that there isn't an individual. But that's the end of any kind of permanence. It's the end of, uh, end of any real objectified reality, mm -hmm. which was just part of the illusory experience of separation. It's the end of time as real. So there's no permanence, there's no continuity. It's yeah. just this, it's simple, it's just this, but not as an objectification. Another way I get at this, this will be the last way. Thinking of the Boltzmann brain or thinking of a simulated consciousness. Hmm. Um, let's say, let's say, you know, we can, we can create a human, we can create a human consciousness apparently through procreation. Um, but if you imagine you simulated a human brain on a computer, let's say, and you can simulate smaller and smaller timescales, you can maybe put a, a, a life in a loop or a day in a loop or a mm. month in a loop mm. or a second in a loop. Mm. At what point is your simulation time frame so small that you've lost all consciousness, that, that there's no longer a moral hazard of the simulation because right. it's a single frame. It's a single frame. And this idea that a single frame of consciousness is nothing. A single mm. frame of consciousness is no experience at all. And this idea that all of consciousness is just the stacking of nothingness, nothing on top of nothing on top of nothing. Mm. And that each frame in and of itself is nothing. And when mm. you, when, if you try to stack nothing, you're, you're somehow just left with nothing. Yeah. Well, that is in a way what we're talking about in a way. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because this is, you could say nothing. It's nothing to the individual. Yeah. And the individual then as a separate experience stacks what is actually nothing because it becomes something to its subjective reality. And it stacks those realities and it calls it its life. If it's okay with you, if I could share a, sh a short quote yeah. from uh, Cormac McCarthy's recent book, The Passenger, where I think he touches on this paradox in, in the mm -hmm. way that we're talking about stacking nothing on top of nothing. You know, what mm -hmm. happens when you, when you try to zoom in on a moment of time. So mm -hmm. the quote from the book, he says, a moment in time is a contradiction since there could be no moveless thing. 
Time cannot be constricted into a brevity that contradicts its own definition. Conversely, the notion of the endlessly divisible in the world was attended by certain problems. While a discrete world, on the other hand, must raise the question as to what it is that connects it. And then he gives this uh, image of a bird trapped in a barn that moves through the slats of light, bird by bird, whose sum is one bird. Hmm. That's that's the end of the quote. But this uh, this visual image of the, the slats of light reflecting yeah. bird by bird, which is like the, yeah. the, the moving picture, whose hmm. sum is like one bird. Mm. Um, and struggling with this question of a, a brevity that contradicts its own definition, um, mm. you know, and what, what would connect the frames of time um, mm. if, if they were to be divided that way, um, I feel like is, is part of this, uh, this paradox in a way. Well, ac actually, what philosophy does in some instances, like that sounds very interesting, is it tries to, you know, dive into experience or what can be known in an effort to find something more profound, something more true behind it all. And the, the, what's truly sought, but that's not recognized until it's, let's say, seen by no one, is this as already everything. I'm really at a loss for words sometimes, but it really is just nothing to you. So what's sought is nothing to that separate experience. So it just has no value to it. So it can't, it can't be what you, um, deduced mm -hmm. because the deduction is it as well. There's nothing that's not already that. And so there's no avenue to find it. And all the avenues are just part of the separate experience. This has been a, such, a, such a joy and a pleasure. Um... I find that, you know, there's, there's like a joke, maybe like something that you would laugh at or uh, your audience would laugh at is like applied non-duality, you know, yeah. like trying to take it and apply it. Um, yeah. But but as as absurd as it, as it is, uh, the, 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 the thought, the, the perspective that time isn't linear, that this experience just exists in and of itself and you don't know that it's going anywhere, that it came from anywhere. Mm. Um and 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 in the sense of applying that as again as as contradictory as that is uh yeah. to, to my own to my own life um i do find valuable at times um mm. when when there's a certain receptiveness to that so yeah but there's there's appreciation here <laughs> hey, well, for, for the message um can, can i end with one last quote um it's a it's a frederick nietzsche quote uh mm. reflecting on on this universe this world of ours and the human drama he says in some remote corner of the universe poured out and glittering in innumerable solar systems. There once was a star on which clever animals invented knowledge. That was the highest and most mendacious minute of world history, yet only a minute. After nature had drawn a few breaths, the star grew cold and the clever animals had to die. Mm -hmm. There have been eternities when it did not exist. And when it is done for, done for again, nothing will have happened. Yeah. End quote. Is that, is that perspective of sort of standing outside the drama? Is that it, is, it is a standing outside the drama, but th what this is saying is that the drama is an illusion. Right. The experience of separation is an illusion. It's not, it can't be confined to understanding or words. Not because it's limited, but because it is all understanding in words. There already isn't any separation. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you for your time. I'm incredibly grateful. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me.